This is Rodney from the Masculine Journey Podcast, where we explore manhood within Jesus Christ. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just a few seconds. Sit back, enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. You made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, it's no shame to be poor. So what would have been so terrible if I had a small fortune? If I were a rich man, all day long, if I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have worked on. Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now... If I were rich, I'd have the time that I like to sit in the synagogue and pray. And maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. And I discuss the holy books with the learned men seven hours every day. And that would be the sweetest thing of all. If I were a rich man, if I were a rich man today on the Christian Car Guy show, of course. <laughs> I mean, that's something to ponder, isn't it? I was. Hoping that we would be live, and um, we are live today, but I was hoping you could call in and share, but I don't because we have had an ice storm last night, and so we're on emergency power, which doesn't apparently right now include our phone system. I know the hamsters are exhausted. <laughs> they are, but we're on, and so what a great time to think about if I were a rich man, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing to think, and you know, Tevier, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Is that right, Bethan? That is. Okay. Great musical. <laughs> well, he if you listen to that last verse that he sang, which I think is absolutely mind-blowing, but it tells you how much the Jews appreciate education. And he certainly did in that movie. They, they, they appreciate learning and that kind of stuff. But I think it's fascinating when you look at what he said, that it doesn't require any money to do what it said was the sweetest thing of all to him. He said he wanted to sit in the synagogue and pray and maybe have a seat by the Eastern Wall. That may take money, I don't know. <laughs> but I love what he said. I would discuss the holy books with the learned men several hours every day. Well, those holy books are actually very significant because the Jews have three books at least that they that he is talking about there you have the torah which we would call the bible but they have another thing called the midrash which means the story and so they have a mission that really started with adam and is a really important issue when it comes to being a rich man <laughs> because adam was pretty rich and and his descendants as they came down but they told this story in the midrash which is really a beautiful thing, and we're going to talk about that some today, but they also have commentaries. You know, like we have Matthew Henry and, and different commentaries that we go to study to figure out how to interpret the scriptures. 
Well, their commentaries are in that what they call, you know, the uh, Talmud. So when you hear them book of First Kings and and, and Chronicles, where they say, aren't this all written in the books of the annals of, well, these are the other books that they're talking about. So their rabbis study these every single day, right? And, and, and think of what he is saying here. It would be the sweetest thing of all to sit with the learned men. And what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about God. Well, maybe I'm hoping you're like me and you have several Bible studies groups, Sunday schools, place where you can sit with learned people and be completely open with your questions or your interpretations, and you can argue and you can just have yourself a devier time, you know, discussing these learned books. I mean, these with learned people, and 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 I'm like, I don't know, I might be the richest man of all because what I do in radio is every single day when I come to work, I get to interview people like James Banks, who, you know, wrote, I don't know how many books on the subject of prayer. And then I get to interview, you know, the people from Land and Rescue, like we had on last week that are out there in the field rescuing, you know, young ladies, and and they have a completely different, you know, thing that I get to hear from them. And and as my day goes on, I get to interview all these different people all the time. And I'm like, man, I'm a rich man. My question today would have been, you know, what would that mean to you to be a rich man? I mean, what what would or rich woman, as the case may be, what 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 would that feel like, and what would be the sweetest thing of all, right? And it would be interesting to actually have that discussion. It is interesting, by the way, that discussion with God. So today you're blessed, I think, to me. To me, I really, and I may say this every time, but I really feel this may be the best episode of Christian Car Guy Theater ever. It is just the acting in this particular episode is beyond good. And it also is, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler alert. We finally get to see um, Valiant make it to the cross. And so you don't, you're not going to want to miss this particular episode. I know we haven't had one for a while through the Christmas and all that's been going on. But this episode today of Christian Car Guy Theater, it's coming up in the last segment, and it's absolutely out of this world cool. So you want to stay tuned for that. And uh, getting back to our If I Were a Rich Man, I do find it fascinating from the song. When I think about some of these books, because I've studied some this week, one of our patriarchs, he was called Enoch, and you might remember Enoch walked with God. There's not a whole lot of written about him in the Bible. And, and But for whatever reason, I felt like it would be really Enoch's name, and what does that really mean? And, and so I went to a lot of different places to look for that, and what I discovered was that, wow, what most English commentators of the Bible, when you look at the definition, if you go you know, to a, a, a Bible dictionary or you know, some of the other places, interlinear, that you would go, when they look at that name, they would they would translate that word as devoted, and and you'd find it in the Bible, like when they devoted the um, <laughs> the new temple when Solomon built it. You know, after the, the they used that word, the same exact word as Enoch, the root of that word to say okay temple. But then there's another thing that really kind of blew my mind when I saw it. That same word is the word for train up a child on the way that he should go, 
right? That word train up, when you look at it, is that same concept of Enoch. Well, then I found a wonderful video, actually, that was at Shabbat, which is a wonderful Jewish site, where they go into great detail on the name they believe. And what they believe Enoch means is educator. So <clears throat> that's one of the learned men when you think about it, and that's how it goes to the song. But I'm going to read from this site what it, what it teaches about Enoch. Now, I know this is <clears throat> from the Midrash, and it's from some people's standpoint extra-biblical information, and it certainly is, but I, I still find it t t terribly fascinating because we don't hear a lot about Enoch, but here's what they have to say about him. Only in the time of Enoch was the seventh generation move, removed from Adam did men improve their contact, conduct, which they're going to tell you Enoch had everything to do with that. Enoch devoted all his life and his work to the service of God. He lived for many years a life of isolation and prayer. When he returned to live among the people, they soon recognized his great wisdom and justice and elected him as their leader. Under his rule, there was peace all over the world. He restored faith and law among the people so that no one stole from his neighbor or robbed a traveler. This order lasted until the year 930, 930, which is the year that Adam died. And you may know that the Jewish calendar starts, you know, like day one. <laughs> and it just keeps running. It, it doesn't have an AC, I mean, AD, and a, it goes like that. So this order lasted till the year 930 when Adam died. Well, just think about how cool this was. So what they're telling you here is that for how many years did Enoch get to hang out with Adam? And can you imagine what Adam, he knew the Midrash, obviously, he knew the story better than anybody. I mean, to actually sit down with Adam and have a discussion with him. So Enoch, again, after his, his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather died, he withdrew into seclusion, appearing only occasionally to give advice to the people and answer the questions that had risen among the time of his absence. Enoch did not die like any other human beings. He was one of the few that God took away alive. Enoch's name, from the Jewish perspective, means educator. So just when you think about that train up, and so I was, I, what I tried to do is just start asking God, how do you connect these concept of devotion, right, or devoted, and educator? And all of a sudden it hit me, like, if you're devoted to anything... Right, Bethan? So, wow, we got to go to a break. Oh, if you're devoted to anything, I'll bet you end up teaching it. I'm just Because saying. you can't help but do it. Right, right. So we're going to be back with more on If I Were a Rich Man. We're going to find some themes in Genesis all about clothes. And rich men, I have clothes. So we're going to be back. And then we got Christian Cargill Theater coming up. Stay tuned. So much more coming up. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. I see my wife, my golden, looking like a rich man's wife with a proper double chin. Supervising meals to her heart's delight. I see on airs and strutting like a peacock. Oh, what a happy mood she's in. Screaming at the servants day and night. If I were a rich man or woman, as the case may be today, our guy's show. So 
we did figure out a way we could help. Like, if you have a thought on these lines, like if you're a rich, rich man or a rich woman, right, Bethann? Right, right. Well, you know, you know, we're, we're working on getting the phones back. <laughs> we're working on getting the internet, you know, back up. We had that ice storm, but I said, hey, Robbie, we got other technology on our side. Let's text. And I said, I'd be more than willing to give my cell phone out, and they can text their thoughts. There you go. Let's so go for it. Yeah, 336 391 So that's my cell, and I'd love to get a text, and I'll share it. We'll share it with Robbie. 336 391 Yeah. And, you know, it's easier than to have to be on the air. You could just text Beth Ann, and then she'll tell me, you know, what you would do, what would be the sweetest thing of all mm-hmm. if you were a rich man or woman. I would love to know that so we can um, kind of get that feeling. And we got Christian Carguy Theater coming up in the last segment today. And as always, we want to mention Labor of Love. You know, applications have poured in recently, really ever since Christmas, that like often they do. And so you'd be, be praying for that ministry again. You can find out more about that at ChristianCarguy.com. Ah, I see a actual phone, right? Yeah. So the phone is right now up. The normal 866-348 if you want to call. 866-348-7884. 866-348. Yeah, praise Jesus. Yeah, the people are working, even in the eyes. <laughs> that may be. So as we started to think about this idea of like, wow, how cool to study God like you would on Valentine's, since this is Valentine's Eve, it's a great theme because it is when you go on those first dates and you 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 get to study that person, find out things that they like and they don't like, and and you and you get to see what they know and their expertise devoted to, right? And what they're devoted to, I bet you anything they can teach you a few things, and I can tell you about how many things my wife has taught me. <laughs> In so many ways. One of the beautiful things about my wife, by the way, since I can say this on Valentine's Day, is that my wife loves children and very specifically loves babies. And so when she is, when she, and, and again, she worked in a daycare for a number of years, when she is holding babies, Tammy is, and she did that at church too, she is in her element. And if you want to know something about holding babies or getting connected to babies or whatever, you know, that was is what my wife was devoted to and I guarantee you she could teach you all sorts of things on the on the concept of of of, of what babies need and, and those kind of things she went to school to learn about all that stuff she could tell you things that sometimes like really are you serious well that's true so getting back to our ancient relatives of Adam Eve and Enoch and the boys well one of the more interesting things I found in my study this week was that essentially a theme throughout Genesis has to do with clothing. And the word clothing in Hebrew, you can either translate it as clothing, but you can equally translate it as betrayal. It's spelled exactly the same way, which is really another really cool connection. Like, why would clothes be the same thing as betrayal? Well, things are not what they appear. So a lot of people, when they think about <laughs> being a rich man, things are not what they appear. And, and when you look at the clothes, original ones, right, they were, they were fig leaves. <laughs> well, they had betrayed God. And, and so they wanted to hide from God. You know, they, they did not 
want God to see them naked, obviously. And so they're standing there with their fig leaves. And so the first clothing was that way. And God made them special skins, which the Jews teach much about that skins, those skins. Someday I'd love to do a show on, on what all happened with them from the perspective of the story, the, the, the Midrash. But just staying with that concept of betrayal and clothes, when you think about, you know, Jacob and Esau, when they, you know, when Jacob wanted to get the blessing, his mother set him up to what? Deceive Isaac. And, and so they had him put on the hairy arms and the garments, right? And all that kind of stuff. And what was he doing? He was deceiving, right? His father, Isaac. Well, not too long later in Jacob's life, unfortunately, his son's coat got taken, right? And they used that coat. They dipped it in blood to deceive Jacob that he was dead. And then, interestingly, it doesn't take long, and Potiphar's wife, you know, tries to frame Joseph into that he tried to rape her. What does she use to set him up? Clothing, right? He, this reason he's holding this garment is because he tried to rape me, or she was holding his garment. <clears throat> and then, very interestingly, at the end of the book of Genesis, you're near the end of the book of Genesis, you'll, you'll see that, <laughs> that originally betrayed their father with the blood on the coat trick now get deceived because they don't recognize this guy's Joseph, right? He's wearing the whole, you know, Egyptian viceroy garb, and, and they wouldn't think in a million years that that was Joseph, and so they get deceived themselves. But interestingly, all these things end up working for good. So when you think about cars, <laughs> I've always thought this was cool. Well, it, you know, what you see is not, if you get up at 10,000 feet, is not always what you might think. So when Lee Iacocca took over Chrysler, you know, they had the K cars that they had just come out with, and the K cars sold okay, but they didn't sell all that great. Well, he took basically a K car and he put a caravan body on it. He, you know, designed that caravan body and he became a genius. It was the same thing as a K car, but it just looked like a caravan. <laughs> and what was just completely, you know, nothing that would ever amount to much became actually one of the American car icons, the, the Dodge Caravan. It, it, you know, it's, you can still see minivans to this day because of what Lee Iacocca did. He took a K car underneath. Things were not what they appeared. But the, the van was so much more, you know, flexible and all sorts of things. Similarly with the Grand Cherokee, which we'll talk about when we come back. But we still, we do now have lines open. So what if you were a rich man, a rich woman? 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH. Don't forget, Christian Car Guy Theater coming up. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. If I were rich, I'd have the time that I like to sit in the synagogue and pray. And maybe have a seat by the eastern wall And I discuss the holy books with the learned men seven hours a And that would be the sweetest thing of all If I were a rich man 
I just times that good, doesn't it? <laughs> Today on the Christian Car Guy Show, we would love for you to call in now that we have phones, 866-348-7884. And by the way, you're going to be able to do that because coming up next, after this segment, will be Christian Car Guy Theater. Just a wonderful episode. I'm so excited for you to get to hear it. I know I, I should have this idea of if I were a rich man. So we're going to try to climb now to to 20,000 feet and see what what's God teaching on this theme of clothes here. What's he's he, he he's actually in my opinion that things are not what they appear. Don't go by what you're seeing. Like maybe you're with me right this minute. You can see a lot of things that don't look so wonderful. <laughs> that, but remember that when Joseph was in jail, that looked pretty bad. But but God was going to do something with that story when Jesus was up on the cross. That looked really bad, but Jesus was going to do something. And, and you might remember, faith comes from hearing. It doesn't come from seeing. And very interestingly, God is showing that this deception in what we see. And he is, in that line at the end of Genesis, what you, know, you meant for evil, God meant for good. And he is working in all of our lives. What we see, may, but it's, it's our opportunity to see past that, as Abraham did, and believe God, and it will be counted to us as righteousness. So, what do you think of it? You know, when I was growing up, my father worked for Buick Motor Division. Now, that meant he worked for General Motors, but back in those days, a Buick had a Buick engine. There weren't General Motors engines, there was a Buick engine, and so when you open the hood on a Buick, the engine was red. If you open the book, I mean, the hood on a Chevy, the engine was sort of this tealish bluish color that the Chevy engines had. And and so you may know that, that some of their models may have looked alike, but what was underneath was a Chevy or what was underneath was a Buick. But they figured out in the mid-60s, early 70s that, way, well, we could make a lot more money if we just consolidated all this and put the same engine in everything. And all of a sudden, the engines weren't different colors anymore. By the way, Oldsmobile engines were gold. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you know, when you saw a, an Oldsmobile Cutlass and a Buick Regal in the 80s, when Buick, when Cutlasses were selling like crazy and Buick Regals didn't sell so hot, they were exactly the same car with a little bit of difference in the sheet metal. They had the same engine, the same transmission. They, they were the same car. But one sold like hotcakes, another one didn't for a number of reasons that have to do with, obviously, perception. It just... Really, that's where that's where it was at. And when it came to Iacocca was a genius, let me tell you. When he bought Jeep, they had a car that you might remember was called the Eagle Station Wagon. <laughs> and this Eagle Station Wagon, really, if you followed its heritage back, it was a Rambler American Station Wagon. And then it became a Hornet Sportabout. And then it became an Eagle Station Wagon, none of which sold Hardly at all, <laughs> okay? So when Iacocca bought Jeep from the French, they had it, they were Renault, he takes a look at this, I think it must have been the 1997 or 1998 um, Eagle station wagon. He goes, well, this will never sell because it's an Eagle. We're going to make it a Jeep. And he just took the exact, he said, it's a beautiful car. We're just, it wouldn't sell as an Eagle. We're going to make it a Jeep. And we're going to call it a Jeep Grand Cherokee. If you want a fun little exercise, go look 
1998 Jeep Grand Cherokee picture and compare it to an Eagle station wagon of a 1996, and you'll go, oh, my gosh. Well, here's another interesting little fun fact that Eagle station wagons at the time sold for fifteen, dollars $16,000, and they were hard to sell, okay? <laughs> when Iacocca just rebadged it as a Jeep and sold it as a Jeep Jam Grand Cherokee, they were $23,000 a piece. You know, they'd gone up, you know, several thousand dollars in price. And you could not, not because we were a Jeep, a Jeep dealer at the time, you couldn't keep a Jeep Grand Cherokee in stock. I mean, we sold them as fast as we could get them. Everybody was fighting to get them for the same exact vehicle, but just a little bit different. Interestingly, what's taught on this idea as well is sometimes when you put on the clothes, you start to become the person that you're representing. I mean, I remember when I started to be a car salesman, I was no more a car salesman than the man on the moon. But when I put on that suit and coat and I had the little name badge, <laughs> little day timer in my pocket, I started to feel like a salesman. And, and I, you, know, you kind of think it. And pretty soon, you, these are the clothes you're very comfortable with. And you're not comfortable without those clothes because you now and have become, you know, cut point. And so think about this. This is really cool. When you look at, you remember Moses and the boys were in the desert and these people were complaining and arguing at God and, and Moses about the food and everything else. So God sent these snakes or serpents, depending on how you want to read it, in amongst the people, right? Snakes everywhere. And they start biting the people and the people start dying like crazy because, you know, they'd put down God and Moses. And so Moses prays for them. And God says, take a bronze snake and put it on a pole and put it up in the air, right? So that people can see this snake. And when they look at this snake, then, you know, they, they'll be healed. Well, this is no ordinary incident because Jesus in John 3, right? In John three sixteen, everybody can quote that where it says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, look at John 3, 14 and 15, because that's where Jesus quotes this. He says, like the snake was lifted up in the desert, so will be the Son of Man that you may have eternal life. Well, that's always been peculiar to me. Like, why would Jesus compare himself to a snake? Right? It's pretty weird. Well, I've been studying this idea for years, and actually, Matthew Henry, I must have read it three times, but it finally caught on. And in Romans 8, 3, it says that he's put on sin, okay? And if you think about it, the Israelites were looking up at the snake that bit them, right? Well, what bit me, what bit you is sin, <laughs> okay? So when you look at the Son of Man lifted up, he was right? Scorn. I mean, he was scorned like a snake. And you're seeing your own sin. You're seeing it, right? And, and he was despised for, so that I could be, you know, redeemed and put on these white clothes, right? Your whole life, God is preparing you and he's, he's putting white clothes on you so that you'll be ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. I mean, this is how this kind of works when you, when you think about, and let me just tell you, the more that you are dedicated, and you're like Tiva, or, or, how you say it, Bethan? 
Tivia. Tivia. I was ready for it. But anyway. I, you were so off, I didn't know what you were talking about. I know. Tivia. But the, I, okay. Yeah, Tivia. But remember that idea that when you're devoted to something, like he wanted to be sitting there with those seven learned men, you know, all, every day. When you are devoted to Jesus, he's constantly fixing you up with a day timer, a nice tie. <laughs> He's making you a salesman. You get what I'm saying? Because what Enoch did in his generation, right? He knew he knew God. He knew Adam. And, he, and, and so he went and told the people, look, things may look bad. I mean, I'm just, you know, there might be a flood coming. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's all going to it's, it's gonna be awesome, man. It's going to be awesome. And, and it is going to be awesome. So... Again, as, as we think about this, if I were a rich man, well, it's a neat thing that the more you devote yourself, in my opinion, to studying God, finding out him about him or your wife this Valentine's Day, right? It's great to be learning new things about Tammy. And it's one of the things I really I hope God continues to teach me because I, I do realize there are new things about my wife. She's not the same person I married, not at all. And, and there's new things that I need to study and I need to think about. I need to appreciate that God has done with her. There's new things about who, whether it's your children or your aunt, your uncle, I, you know, there are new things. And just like God, there are new things every day. And, and, and one of the delights of doing that is then you want to go share the good news, right? You can't hold it back. The rocks, the rocks will cry out. So one of the neatest things I ever read was the book, The Pilgrim's Progress. And so... Beth, I mean, uh, Ann Ald and I, we, we've conspired to do this for years, to actually do this long series on the Pilgrim's Progress, and oh, today's episode just makes my heart go pitter-pat, so I hope you enjoy devoting yourself to Pilgrim's Progress right this minute, only it's called Plymouth's Progress, so we have Plymouth Valiant coming up. Stay tuned. So much more coming up. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. And now time for Christian Car Guy Theater with today's episode, The Plymouth Progress, Part 11. The Plymouth Progress is purposefully and completely based on John Bunyan's classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. Today's episode 11 is at ChristianCarGuy.com, both as a podcast along with episodes 1 through 10, so you can easily catch up with the series. But also you can find a follow-along of the original book for today's episode. And most importantly, the scripture references that go along with today's episode. Those help greatly in the interpretation of The Plymouth Progress. It's all at ChristianCarGuy.com. Once again, Infinity Interpreter addresses Plymouth Valiant. Tarry till I shall show thee one thing more, and then thou shalt go on thy way. So Infinity took Valiant by the bumper again and led him into a garage where there was one rising off his lift. And as he came awake, he shook and trembled. Uh, why does the sedan thus tremble? Rambler Rayford. Tell Valiant the reason you tremble so. This night, as I was in my sleep, I dreamed, and behold, the heavens grew exceeding black, 
Also, it thundered, and there was lightning in most fearful wise that it put me into agony. So I looked up in my dream and saw the clouds roll in at an unusual rate of speed, upon which I heard a great sound of a trumpet and saw also a sedan sit upon a cloud attended with the thousands of heaven. They were all in flaming fire. Also, the heavens were in a burning flame. I then heard a voice saying, Arise, ye who are dead, and come to judgment. And with that, the rocks split, the graves opened, and the dead that were therein came forth. Some of them were exceeding glad and looked upward, and some sought to hide themselves under the mountains. Then I saw the sedan that sat upon the cloud open the book and bid the world draw near. Yet there was, by reason of a fierce flame which issued out and came from before him, a convenient distance betwixt him and them, as betwixt the judge and the prisoners at the bar. I heard it also proclaimed to them that attended on the sedan that sat on the cloud, Gather together the tares, the chaff, and the stubble, and cast them into the burning lake. And with that, the bottomless pit opened. Just whereabouts I stood, out of the mouth of which there came, in an abundant manner, smoke and coals of fire with hideous noises. It was also said to the same sedans, Gather my wheat into the garner. And with that, I saw many catched up and carried away into the clouds, but I was left behind. I also sought to hide myself, but I could not, for the sedan that sat upon the cloud still kept his eye upon me. My sins also came into mind, and my conscience did accuse me on every side. Upon this I awakened from sleep. But what was it that made you so afraid of this sight? Why, I thought that the day of judgment was come, and that I was not ready for it. But this frightened me most, that the angels gathered up several and left me behind. Also, the pit of hell opened her mouth just where I stood. My conscience too afflicted me, and as I thought, the judge had always his eye upon me, showing indignation in his countenance. Valiant, hast thou considered all these things? Yes, and they put me in hope and fear. Well, keep all things so in thy mind that they may be as a goad in thy sides, to prick thee forward in the way thou must go. Then Valiant began to fuel up his tank and to address himself to his journey. The Comforter be always with thee, good Valiant, to guide thee in the way that leads to the city. So Plymouth Valiant went on his way. Here I have seen things rare and profitable, things pleasant, dreadful, things to give me stability and wisdom to deal with my tasks at hand. Then let me think on them. And for showing me what I need to understand for the journey ahead, I thank you, oh good infinity interpreter. Now, that the highway up which Valiant was to go was fenced on either side with a wall, and that wall was called Salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burden Valiant drive, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his rack. He drove thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below, in the bottom of the sepulcher, so Jimmy saw in his dream that just as Valiant came up with the cross, his burden loosed from his roof and then fell off his rack and began to tumble and so continued to do so until it came to the mouth of the sepulcher. Where it fell, I saw it no more. 
Then Valiant was glad and lightsome and said, He hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then Valiant stood a while to look and wonder, for it was surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. He looked, therefore, and looked again, even till the springs that were in his head sent waters down his cheeks. Now, as he stood looking and weeping, behold, three shining ones came to him and saluted him. Peace be to thee. Thy sins be forgiven thee. The second shining one stripped him of his rags and clothed him. Here, valiant is your new raiment. The third also set a mark in his forehead and gave him a scroll with a seal on it. Valiant, look upon this scroll when you feel the need of courage. Also, you should give it in at the celestial gate. So the shining ones went their way. Then Valiant gave three leaps for joy and went on saying, Far did I come laden with my sin, nor could I or ease the grief that I was in. Till I came hither, what a place is this? Must here be the beginning of my bliss? Must hear the burden fall from my back. Must hear the strings that bound it to me crack. Blessed cross, blessed sepulchre, blessed rather be the man that was there put to shame for me. Tune in next time for many adventures in the Plymouth's progress to the celestial city. Now, here's Danny Dipstick and Randy Radiator to review today's episode. <laughs> Randy. I'll picture that trumpet that Rayford heard like an instrument made of a ram's horn that we blow at times of religious observation. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah, I do get there it so far away, Danny. So far. <laughs> you know, but seriously, Danny, we don't want to be left behind or, or we might be put in Kirk Cameron's movie. <laughs> Let me see what I did there. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, I mean... We could be on TV, radio, or film. It's crazy to think that. <laughs> you know, but we don't want to be left behind. For sure, when the trumpet sounds. You know, Daddy, do you mind if I borrow your trumpet? Because I, I take the tooth my own horn. <laughs> oh, boy, Daddy. Say goodbye, Daddy. <laughs> see you later, Radiator. Well, I'm sure you can see from that episode that certainly Plymouth Valiant is a rich I can't sing the diddy diddy dumb part, but he does have that down pretty good. The part of Valiant is played by a very Cordy. You can find out more about him and the other characters all at the Christian Carguy Theater cast and crew page, along with a podcast of this episode. And all episodes of Christian Carguy Theater is all at Christian Carguy. Plus, his bio in all those kind of things, as well as Anne Alt, who played, I believe, Shining One Two, and Vanessa Orr, who played Shining One Three, and Ellen Kennedy, who played Shining One One. And oh my goodness, Alan Johnson, who played Infinity Interpreter, what an amazing talent he is. And our good friend Ben Webb, who has an amazing voice, that played Rambler Rayford. God has clearly amazed us at what he is provided in the way of talent for Christian Carguy Theater. We have many more episodes coming up as we make our way to the Celestial City. We do want to always mention the Jesus labor of love, car repair labor for single moms and widows. Appreciate your prayers for them so very much. You can find out all about them at ChristianCarguy.com as well. Now remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went, got it all done in 33 years. And because of him, of course, we are rich men and women. 
Thank you for listening. This is the Truth Network.